I want to draw your attention to something that I, I know is going to speak to parents, grandparents, and caregivers. But it is a message to every single person here and out there. It has a lot to do with Revelation song. It has a lot to do with where are the missing people. It has a lot to do with wars and rumors of wars. And it's how you want to finish. I told a brother in the Lord of mine, not a part of this church, on Friday morning. I said, I'm not worried about what's going to happen to me when I die or when the rapture takes place, whatever happens first. I said, my whole, my whole thing right now, I said, I want to finish my course. He said, you just want to finish strong. I said, that's exactly what I want to do. I'm not a floater, man. I don't believe in cruise control. Don't believe in cruise control. But I, I want to finish strong. And I want people that are around me to finish strong. And the Bible has some great instruction on how to ensure you can do that. And I'm going to read a little bit of Paul's letter to Timothy, which was kind of his understudy. He's kind of like an, uh, an adopted son, a spiritually adopted son. And over in 2 Timothy chapter 1, this is where Paul begins the second portion of his letter to Timothy, and he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, here we go, which dwelt first in your grandma, Lois, and your mother, your mama, Eunice, and I'm also persuaded now is in you. I just read three generations of Proverbs 22.6 to you. You see, both Eunice and Lois, Grandma and Mama, if there was a such thing as Sunday school back then, if there was a such thing as perfect attendance back then that I'm sure Lois in life got her pen, perfect attendance, probably had many of them lined up. Lois got her pen, perfect attendance, and probably even young Timothy because he was raised by his mama who was raised by his grandma that made sure that the most important thing in things remained the most important thing in things. I'm sure also that possibly young Timothy was like a lot of us growing up. Mom, do I got to go today? He didn't have to go. They didn't have to go. I don't feel like going. I don't want to go. Do I have to go? Why are you making me go? But they didn't let that affect them. Lois didn't let that, let that affect her, obviously, with Eunice. Eunice didn't let that affect her with young Timothy, because they understood that it was seed planting time and that was not something that they could toy around with or play around with. And I want to tell all of us something today, that if you are going to pass something down to that very next generation called your children, first of all, or people like your children, it's not going to happen by accident. It's not going to be a mistake. Well, they figured it out on their own. Nope, because we've got a great track record going on here 
that Lois and Eunice, three generations here, did not get what's happening in society confused with commandments of the Lord and what you're supposed to be doing. In fact, David mentioned how he was marked and the mark that godly invested made on his life in the 71st Psalm, verse 5, when he said, For thou art my hope, O Lord God. Thou art my trust, and here you go, from my youth. If you wait till they get 13 to start training them up, I am sorry as I can be. I really am. Doesn't say it won't happen. Doesn't say it's never happened and can't happen. But I'm going to tell you this. I sang and quoted scriptures to Caitlin Bethany Swells right in the womb. When she was born, I sang and quoted scriptures before she was eating food. Her mama definitely sang to her all the time. When Beckham Lane Wright was born, before he come out of the womb, I sang and quoted scripture. Talked about Lord. I prayed to God out loud in front of him. I watched the video the other day. Great are you, Lord, that casting crown song. Why did I do it? You did it because you're a preacher. No, I didn't. I, do it be I did it because I understand this right here. Listen, do you think that the devil waits to start planting seeds in them when they get 13? Nope. That's why there's godless cartoons, godless preschool, godless dolls and animals and toys at a young age right now because the world gets what the church is so naive and stupid of. That's that you make an impression on them right here, right now, or you lose that generation. Lois didn't make that chance. She didn't take that chance, church. It matters what you deposit into your children. Now, I'm talking about children. I am for a reason right this minute because I want people to not overlook this, but I'm going to address us all, and I am. So I hope you read between the message. And I want to just stop here and say it's not too late to start today, this service this afternoon. But you got to make hard choices. you got to make people mad. You've got to love God's Word, and you've got to love the desire of a wonderful track record more than them getting mad at you. Amen. Amen. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they got on drugs. They slept around. They had a child out of wedlock. They got expelled from school. They had a car wreck. They've been caught drinking. When they're old, they won't depart. You may not see them like Pat Walters was back on the stage singing and speaking in tongues and praising God and quote scripture, but the word says if you train them up. And the way they should go, the Word says, whether you ever see it or not, they won't depart. That's what the Word says. Now, you've got to understand that we were all made out of dirt. And dirt's a precious thing in the eyes of God. Dirt. It's so precious that God not only made man in his own image using dirt, but God also, through his word, used several examples of talking about the value of dirt and the benefit of when you treat dirt the right way and you put the right things in the dirt. The Bible says there's all kinds of things that can happen, but you've got to understand that it's all about Sowing into the dirt. You just can't say, well, I'm dirt, and it'll all, like I said, it'll happen on its own. I had a great friend of mine who preached about a couple of months ago that said, you know, when his child got older and all that, that, you know, she'd just find her way. We're just going to let her 
find her way if she wants to go into Christianity or go this or not believe in God. You know, we're just going to let her. I said, man, that's one of the most successful in the business world, but failed as a parent. Uh, Yeah, I said it. Failed as a parent because you don't do that. If you believe the Bible and you believe in heaven, but you equally believe in hell, you don't bring a child into this world. That's what I tell all young parents. We got a lot of bread in the oven at the church right now. Y'all know that? We got some bread that just come out not too long ago. If the Lord doesn't return in the next few years, there'll be more bread in the oven. And this is what I would tell anybody anywhere. Have babies. But don't you dare, don't you dare bring a child into this world if you are not sold out to God and you're going to guarantee God that blesses you with that child. That child will not die and go to hell. Don't do it. Don't be that stupid for the second time today or selfish to bring a child into this world to let them die and burn in torture for all eternity just because you wanted a baby. Because I'm telling you what, there's people living right now on the planet that's bringing beautiful babies and going to provide for them and do all kinds of things for them, but they're going to wind up in a devil's hell. That tears me out of the frame. Do you hear me today? I can't stand the thought of that. I can't can't even stand the thought of that. And this sowing means a lot. In fact, the definition of sowing is like the word you can say shellac or shellac if you want to. That comes from the word seed or sowing rather. And it actually means, I know you can't read the definition, Uh, well, y'all got great eyes, but it means to send or send away or to let go or to stretch out. That's what happens when you you sow into dirt, you see. You, You send it away. And the Bible says there's all kinds of seeds that you can sow. For instance, the scripture on the screen, you see, Proverbs 6.14 says, Perversity is in his heart. He deviseth evil continually. It means he never stops. He sows discord. So discord can not only be sown into your life. Are y'all hearing me today? The thief is roaming to and fro right now, seeking whom he, may can, he can devour and steal the word from you. Last thing he wants you to do is leave out of here on fire for God and determined. So I'm just warning you before he gets to you. So you can sow not only into yourself, but by your deeds, your actions, and your words, even your demeanor, you can sow into somebody else. Let me prove it to you real quick. You have the power, as we just talked about in James just for the past few weeks, with your tongue alone. You can either build somebody up. You can glorify God with your tongue and make somebody feel like they're worth a trillion dollars. But out of that same mouth, you can make somebody feel depressed and horrible, wish they had never been born. And you do what what the Word says. You actually send them away. Amen? You didn't make them feel loved and wanted, but by your words or your actions, you actually sowed and it sent them away. Just like scattering seeds. You scatter, scatter negative seeds. But you can also, Bible says in the 16th chapter of Proverbs, you can sow strife. A perverse man sows strife and a whisperer separates the best of friends. But just a few chapters later, the Bible tells us you can also sow iniquity. And if you sow iniquity, we know that you'll reap sorrow and the rod of his anger will fail. So, so folks, sowing discord, sowing strife, and sowing iniquity all takes place when you are not doing what God has called you to do and left you to do. The Bible tells us also 
in a very well quoted scripture, Galatians chapter 6 verse 8. If, if you sow from the world seeds, the Bible says, if you sow to your flesh, you will, will of the flesh reap corruption. So, in the world's bag of seeds, there's all kinds of things in the word seed. But before you even are concerned about the word seed, the world seed will have you just scattering all kinds of seed out here in the dirt, you see. And you don't care what's going to come up in its place. You, you, you'll just you'll say anything. They made me mad. I don't agree with them. I don't like the way they look. I don't like the way they voted. I don't like the way they uh, interpret the Bible. I, I don't like this. And, and so what we do, we'll sow iniquity. We'll sow discord. We say we don't do it, but we do. Our actions betray us and give us away. I told you that last week. And this is why you got to be careful. Because everybody in here is dirt. Everybody you get around is dirt. And everything you do every day of your life, it comes out in some kind of seed format. And I don't care what you say. It's not just what we do with our mouths, but you see, it's, it's what we do. You can either turn your TV on and you can sow things that don't glorify God. You can also take your phone and scroll all day long. You can post and you can listen. You can podcast. You can stream all kinds of things, but you got to be careful because, see, whether you say you're doing it or not, you're sowing. And the bad thing about it, you see, if you're not intentional, you're sowing into that little old baby. You sow it. Well, it's just playing in the house. No, it's not playing in the house. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Anybody that's naive to hell, I'm telling you today, and I got to be careful because my, my voice is gone anyway, but I get, I get worked up about this stuff because people and people in this church, we downplay the devil, we downplay his devices. I've preached that till I'm blue in the face. We are not ignorant of his devices. He owns the TV set you sit in front of. He owns the cell phone you carry around with you. He owns any internet connection you got. He owns the banking institution. He owns the school system. He owns where you work at. He owns the clothes on your back is made by worldly outfits. Anything you can name, he owns it all. He owns the medical system. He owns the entertainment industry. He owns the banking system. He owns a lot of the religious institutions in this world. He owns them all. And you can't say and sit there today and say, well, there's nothing wrong with that. There's everything wrong with it. You either glorify God with your mouth or you curse God with your mouth. And you can't just say, well, there's nothing harmful. And I'm going to tell you right now, and I know I got grandchildren, and you say, well, they do it. No, no, there, there's, I, I tell you what Beckham watches, but one of the worst things in the world that's happened in the last decade is the babysitter that's been hired out. She's cheap. She don't never, she shows up on time. She'll stay up late. She'll get up early as long as she's charged up, honey. She'll do the job for you. But God did not say, put your baby in front of a tablet or a cell phone because you got something else to do. You've got to be intentional because every time you do that, well, they're just watching Bob the Builder and I'm not throwing off on Bob or SpongeBob or anything else. So don't go there. I'm just telling you, there's things called ads that's played. There's subliminal music that's put behind a lot of these videos that go way over all of our heads and you've got to be smarter than that as a child of God because you might not think that you are sowing seeds but you're scattering them because you got too much going on and I'm telling you, you will give an account to God because the preachers brought it to your attention today. You have to. Now, if 
the question today? Because this is where this is where me and this wonderful Christian brother of mine got into a great conversation on Friday when I was having my taxes done. Without being judgmental, being biblical, most people that claim salvation do not have the cross of Calvary experience salvation. They got church salvation. They've got religion salvation. They got comfortable salvation that makes me feel okay in continuing in my sin. But they don't have the old rugged cross, blood-bought salvation of Jesus Christ. So the question is, is Jesus really living in you? And here's how we can figure this out. Matthew 13, 37 says, He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. So here we go, folks. I can't help. This is going to happen today because it's got to offset my hollering, okay? I can't, and then Holy Ghost really just makes me want to just take off around here. If you want to know the truth, I feel like every Sunday I'm working against time, folks. Because I believe, I believe I'm going to be singing Revelation song around the throne quicker than anybody around me a lot of times. Holy, holy are you, Lord, who was and is. But here you are now and here I am. So it's all real to me. I don't just preach it. I look every day. I watch every day. I pray every day. I do it at night. I'm ready to go home and I look for the bus every day. I do. And so here's what you need to find out about Jesus and if he's really living in you. Because if Jesus is living in you, I tell you what, you're not going to be pulling out of this right here. Well, I, I, you're not going to be pulling out of here. Bags, I get them confused. You're not going to be pulling out of here. You're not going to be pulling out of the world's bag. Because why? The sower of the good seed is the Son of Man. I don't care what you do every day. Now, you got to get this in your head and your heart. You're pulling out of one of the two bags. What you listen to, what you watch, the habits, the thing you prioritize that are non-negotiables. We've got to do this. Little Johnny's got to do that. Susan's got to do that. We can't miss this. We got to do that. We got to have this. We got to buy this. We got to go there. Although we got to, we got to, we got to. You got to be careful. You got to be careful. I didn't say there was anything wrong with stuff. But when you're supposed to be pulling out of this bag right here, the Word, but all of a sudden you grab your handful of the world seed. The Bible says, he that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. And if you hadn't put this together yet, not trying to be condescending, but Jesus, Jesus, Jesus will never pull out this bag. He'll never pull out the world's bag he died so you wouldn't have to pull out the world's bag. He died, you wouldn't have to live under sin. You wouldn't have to live a life that says, well, I enjoy this sin. He died not only to save you from your sin, but Jesus bled and died so you could have victory over your sin and not have a desire for it anymore. We don't talk about that. That's too old timey. Well, he took it away from me. I'm telling you. And I know people go through stages of sanctification and we do that throughout our entire walk with Jesus. But I am telling you, there is no way you can taste of the goodness of God and be remorseful for a life of sin and grab on to Jesus and still want to go back and dabble in the world. You can't do it with the Jesus I'm talking about anyway. You can't. There's no way you can do it. You can't do it. But see, here's, here's the problem when we understand about this. See, sometimes we get to a place, we get real religious, and all of a sudden we become hard. This is, what, this is, this is probably the most offensive thing I'm going to say all day. Maybe. This right here, this used to be soft, God, you're going to have to help me now, Lord. This used to be soft at one time. 
It used to be fertile. It was moist. It was waiting on seed. It was waiting on the Word of God. It was waiting to go to church. It was waiting to worship. It was waiting for paycheck to come so I can write my tithe out and give that back to God. It was waiting for prayer meeting. But over time, you see what happens. This is why the Bible tells you you can't be ignorant of His devices because not living the way God has designed you to live will dry you up and it'll clump you up. It'll get you where you think you're okay. You don't need to go to church on Wednesday night. I Hallelujah. It'll make you think, I don't have to go to prayer meeting at the end. It'll dry you out. You'll be callous. You'll justify that religious Pharisee spirit you have. And God will, God will not, He'll just let you keep on. But it will make you hard. It will make you where you think you're right. And this is what you look like in the eyes of God. This is what I look like in the eyes of God. And that's why we are told that there comes a time in our walk when we have to break up that old fallow ground. We have to get in there and we have to let the Lord and the Word, and we have to let it grind us. We have to let it get us where it breaks us back down. Bring me to my knee. Yeah, I'm going to the altar. I don't care what you say about me. I'm going because I got to do my first works over again. I want God to be able to plant the Word in me. I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I want God to use me in these last days. Break me up. Mess me up, God. Moisten me with your spirit. God, I can't have it any other way. And you know the parable Jesus said. Jesus said this. He said, that's why some seed, it fell on stony ground. You've always thought stony ground was the world, didn't you? A sinner. You need to rethink that as you read that passage again. I think the stony ground, I don't think it was a sinner. I think that stony ground was somebody that used to be full of the Holy Ghost. I think that stony ground used to be somebody that couldn't wait for church. You loved a revival. You couldn't stand the thought of not going to a revival. That's a foreign, uh, foreign uh, topic now. I get that. But I want you to know this, church. Jesus Christ died so you can live free in this world. You can live freely in this world. And He died so that all you have to do is stick your hand in this bag as a sinner and throw it down in repentance and then say, Lord God, that ain't for me, but this is me. And this is what the Lord says. When you get into the Word every day, you know, I could tell them off. I could get even. I could do this. I could do that. But I, I'm only going to sow the Word of God. That's not in my heart. Because the Son is the one that sows. And folks, I want to tell everybody today, if Jesus is living in you, if He's really living in you, Mark chapter 4, verse 14 says, the sower soweth the Word. So there's the pop quiz. The sower soweth the word. Let's stop right now in the name of Jesus. Think about your house the past five days. What's been sowing in your house? Don't say it out loud. What's, what's been sowing? What have you been sowing in your house? I don't have children. No, but you got a pulse. You, you still alive. Huh? Dancing with the stars. Not so desperate housewives. I'm just using shows that I don't even know if they own anymore. Any music that doesn't glorify the King of Kings and Lord. What, what's been sowing in your house? What have you been sowing? It's not an idle thing. The devil loves it that the Christian community is as ignorant as they are when it comes to this stuff. He loves it. The devil loves the fact that the Christian community is ignorant of what I'm talking about today. You've got to understand, folks, that when you sow not the world seed, but when you sow 
the Word. There's four things I, I, I want to point out to you quickly. Number one, sowing the Word, it causes rejoicing, according to John 4, 36. But it also means when you make your mind up, I'm keeping my hand in this bag. I don't care what they say. I don't care. My mind's in this, my hand's in this bag. It means that you are sowing bountifully, so you're going to reap bountifully. That's what it means. And you can look that up in 2 Corinthians if you want to. It's in chapter 9, verse 6. But it also means that there's number three, it's a guarantee that you're going to get a return. First part of Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 says this, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. And then the rest goes on to say, So you, there's no way you can sow the Word and the things God says that's in the Word that God can do for you, He can do for your family, He can use you, there is no way you can sow to that every day of your life. Even if you're the most unpopular person in the home, there's no way you can sow to that and not get a guarantee because it says that God is not only mocked, but whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. We always hear that in a bad context, but I'm telling you, if you sow through the Word of God and the things that please God, the things that God has told us is the very heart of God. I'm telling you, you may not be able to get a, a cheap title loan in South Carolina, but God can hook you up if you do what He says. But you've got to trust Him. And the last thing is there's a guarantee that you're going to have life not only now, but Galatians 6 and 8 says, everlasting life. He that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit lead, uh, reap life everlasting. Word seed sowers is what you turn into. And a word seed sower is a lot different than a world. See, and, and I want you to get out of this stuff, y'all. Because the world... And sowing world seeds, just trying to satisfy your flesh or your children, or you don't want to look bad with your, your family or anybody else, that's all temporal. That's flesh. That's sowing. The Bible explains that as sowing to the flesh. If you sow to the flesh, you shall of the flesh reap corruption. But if you sow the Word and, and you sow to the Spirit, which is the Word, you shall of the Spirit Reap life everlasting. That's not just life now, but that's eternal life. The Bible says in Mark chapter 4, verse 30, 31, this is where you really need to listen even more. Jesus said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what comparison shall we compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth, is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. I know you know that scripture in a small little mustard seed. You might even heard a song as a child growing up, but I want you to look at this definition. Now, that word, if you were to pronounce that in a Greek uh, language, it, it would sound like centipede. Not centipede, the little worm, but centipede. And it, it actually means mustard or the name of a plant. That's what, that's what seed means. The name of a plant which is uh, in, a, which in oriental countries grows from a very small seed and attains to the height of a tree of 10 feet or 3 meters, meters or, and even more. But check this out. Hence, a very small quantity of a thing is likened to a mustard seed and also a thing which grows to a remarkable size. And that's why the Bible says when it's sown in the earth in Mark 4.31, it's like a grain of a mustard seed and it's sown in the earth, it's less 
than all the seeds that you're familiar with that are in the earth. But after it grows, you know the rest of the story, the scripture, and Jesus taught. He said, but after it grows, it outgrows all the other trees and birds and animals can live in it and on it. He says, that's what it starts with. And that's why it's so important with the seed that you sow. Because this seed right here, it's only good for face value at best. Sleeping with her tonight, sleeping with him tonight, sin is pleasurable for a season. But listen to me. I want all of you to hear me and anybody on that camera. I want you to understand that is short term. It's short term. But when you sow out of the seed of God's Word, you don't know what you're doing. You may say, God, I'm doing this, and I'll use tithe, for instance. But it, it, it relates to every area. And by the way, tithe is really just giving back God the 10% that He gave you on your 90%. New Testament tithing is really, God, you freely gave at Calvary. I freely give you. I'm giving you that, for, of course, because that's yours. I'm not stealing that. But God, I'm worshiping you with all I have. Everything I can buy. That's what giving looks like. But see, the world seed bag won't let you do that. Because it's only good for face value. But when you give this, I'm going to just quote Malachi because I feel the Holy Ghost. The Bible says, look, try me now, test me now, and see if I won't open the windows of heaven. That's what the seed looks like, you see. But it's not just money. And TV's destroyed a lot of people's opinion and all that, and they can't really understand what God's saying now. But it, it applies to your prayer life. It applies to, to you pulling out of the seeds for your children and telling them the way they should go, bringing them to church, taking them to youth, coming to prayer, paying your tithes, singing, being involved, buying a $3 book and putting it at work or in the lunchroom, doing all you can. That's what it looks like now, but you can't see what it's going to look like later. That's what that means right there. M music, TV, Time spent at home doing nothing, prayer, all of the family devotions, all these things matter. All of these things matter. But you've got, you, you've got to understand, when you, when you walk around and you look around, sometimes when you throw out of the world, you know what you're going to get? You, you're just going to get what the world has to offer. That's what you're going to get. Now, the devil doesn't make it look like that. He makes it look good and fun. He paints it. He puts an outfit on it for a season. You need to do this. But you've got to understand, God's smarter than the devil. His ways are higher than the devil. That's why the Lord put these passages in, in place so you can live above the devil's schemes. All he does is offer you suggestions. He's just waiting to see if the teenage boy is going to take him up on his suggestion. It's not really cool and pretty and funny. He's laughing at how much of an idiot you are at 13. I can say that because I was a 13-year-old idiot one time. My daddy's here. Ask him how cool I was. Not. So listen, folks. When you pull out of the wrong bag, you get the wrong thing. But you know what? I, I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in what God has to offer me. So I'm, I'm going I'm to do what's unpopular, and I'm just going to say, God, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to raise my family for you because I'm, I'm concerned about this generation. I'm not going to let Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, and everybody else raise this generation, not when I have the Word of God. So I am going to watch what you watch. I am going to see what you see. I am going to make sure that there's something going on in our house that at least makes us look like we're Christians anyway. I'm not going to throw you to the dogs because I'm your mama. I'm your daddy. I'm your grandparents. I'm your uncle, I'm your caregiver I'm your teacher, I'm your neighbor I'm your Sunday school teacher I love you and I want you to go to heaven so I'm going to put all the time I can into throwing the right seeds into this generation right now because if Lois and Eunice did it Opie can do it and by the way you know, I love it because when you throw the word look what comes up out of the dirt 
It's just pretty. It, it's, all, it's all good, you see, when you do that. The Bible says this. Here's your hope. Mm-hmm. Yep. You don't need to let this generation go to hell on your watch. You don't. I, I, I want to I see my mama when I get to heaven and a lot of our church family that's gone and I, I certainly want to see Jesus and everybody else. But I just wonder if Lois and Eunice probably looked like my mama did at times. And I told you, Daddy's here, Mackie's here, Joy's here, Aaron's here. Thank, thank everybody's here, I think. But we had something growing up in church. Um... Way before technology. I'm talking about the 70s, okay? My mama had this operating system installed in us. It's called the white-lit treatment operating system. If I was sitting close to Greg or Ken, cutting up, I could be, now listen, this is another reason why women, you need to be full of the Holy Ghost. I could be behind my mama in the East Rockingham Church of God, behind my mama. She could be worshiping our all in, and I could be back there talking and cutting up, but all of a sudden, she could turn around, and that lip would turn white. I knew right then, on the spot, boy, I will embarrass you and tear your tail up right now and come back there and get you if you don't stop. See, y'all want to be friends with them now. You want them posting pictures with you now. You better watch out. You're going to friend them all the way to hell. And I love you enough and them to tell you, don't lose this generation on your watch. Come on, Lois. Come on, Eunice. Turn the curve, man. The lights are about to turn off on us all, you see. You need to turn the wheel hard. And you don't need to do that. And everything you're doing right now might look like all around. I know you wish I'd preach as long as I did last week, don't you? I done blew it out out of the water like a long time ago. But I'm not here to like just say, okay, we had our moment together. Let's go home. Clean up your neighbor's yard this week. Do something nice. <laughs> but there are thousands of people that are treating the pulpit like that today. It's not cupcake time, church. I've read the book. I've watched the signs. I look up. I know my father's voice and he's about to call us home. Don't let your children go to hell. Don't let your husband go to hell. Don't let your wife go to hell. Don't let your parents go to hell. Come on, Lord. It ain't going to happen automatically. You got, you got to throw the seeds out there. You got to get your hand in the right bag. Look, it looks like a small thing now. It looks like... They, don't, they hate you. I know all the terms. I know all that. It looks like I can't do this. I need to get ahead. I, we can't go to church this week. We need to do this. It don't, but you've got to understand, it's a seed. The sun inside of you is only going to sow the Word. So when you are tempted to not let the sun through you sow the word in your home or on the weekends or midweek or prayer night or giving. When you are tempted not to do that, you need to fall on your face and do your first works over again. The sun will never pull out of the bag of this world. If he's living in you, you won't neither. See, the closer, and this is part of our conversation the other day, the closer you get to the Lord coming back, I believe the closer you're going to get to Him because it's like we heard last week, getting ready for the wedding. And by the way, I'm going to tell you this and then we're going to pray. See, culture has a lot to do with what I'm talking about. You may not hear nothing but this right here. Culture has too much to do with what I'm talking about. But do you know it goes all the way back to the New Testament? 
there was a man that was blind and Jesus healed the man. Most of you know the story because then the religious leaders wanted to corner him one day, say, hey, what happened to you? How did this happen? He said, man, there's a man come and spit, put it on my eyes. I went and washed. And I, now, do you know his name? Jesus. Went to his mom and daddy. What happened? Is this your son? Mama and daddy. Lois Eunice. Here we go. Is that your son? Uh, was he born blind? Yeah, well, how, how did he get healed? And the Bible says this was their answer. We, he's of age. We don't know. You ask him, and it's recorded in God's Word that they gave that answer because they feared being kicked out of the synagogue. They wanted to be approved and accepted and applauded by man more than by naming the name above all names. See, culture has a lot to do with you. Culture will make you click-minded. Culture will make you stay comfort-minded. That's what culture will do. But you've got to understand that when you get to talking about culture, you're not studying the Word. You, you, you are all into the world, you see. That's what the culture is going to get you to do. Just keep digging. Oh, we got plenty. Yes, sir, come on. And I want everybody in here today without a lot of noise. I, I want you to stand, if you will, because, folks, all of this is real. And I want to tell you something that I don't know if any other preacher would say something like this, and I'm not going to say it the way I mean it, so please don't be offended. I, if I was not going to live out my life hardcore, word-seed-minded, if I was not, I, I'd just quit going to church. Quit paying your tithes. Quit doing all the things that make your conscience feel good. I cannot believe what you just said. I'd never say that. Come to my church. And there's probably a lot of other things you wouldn't say neither. It's got to be more than just surface at some point along the way. Jesus died and suffered so it could be alive in you right now. Amen? Jesus paid a price so that in Him you could live and move and have your being in Him. He didn't die so you could blend in, like I've already said, so you could flirt. He died so you would never, ever, ever have to worry about trying to entertain yourself or pleasing your children. Because see, Psalm 34 again that I just looked at at the school yesterday that I wish every person here would meet me back Wednesday night at 7.15 and you could see it for yourself. Says that if you taste and see, the Lord is good. So when you start putting something good in your house, your children's going to want some of it. Amen? Cook you a pie and watch what happens. Live for Jesus. Worship in front of your family. Praise God. Let it stream. Let it all just play all day long. Let that sweet smelling sacrifice, that savor of worship and praise or scriptures just playing. That's weird and corny. It's not weird and corny to the Son of Man that sows the Word. See, this ain't popular what I'm preaching, you know. People won't preach this because people quit attending churches like that. They quit giving money. But there's a remnant that's coming up out of the bottom in these last days that the Lord's raising up and you don't want nothing but the truth. And I believe some of you is in the building right now. You don't want no more of this fluff. You want to know what thus saith the Lord because you know you're on your way home. And that's all I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach what He said. And I want every Lois, every Eunice, and every Timothy in this building right now 
that you're going to kick over that old world, see, and you're going to stay dedicated. I want you to find you a place to come make your mark at this altar for God and let your family come with you or see you do it. Hallelujah. playing at the cross and you see that's what all this boils down to many many Christians in the world many Christians in the world they went and visited the cross one time and they called that salvation but you know when we used to have that group Scott and Joni here eight day a decade ago, they, used, they sung a song I ain't thought about this in years. But may I never get over the cross. Hallelujah. And see, when you say, I'm not getting over the cross, man. I wake up, I want to wrap my arms around the foot of the cross. At the cross, at the cross. That's where I first saw the light. Why wouldn't you want to stay somewhere where you first saw the light? Why wouldn't you want to shine that kind of light at home and make sure Timothy's going to be with you in heaven? There's a lot of things. People puzzle me these days, but I'm glad to know there's people inside of the, these four walls that you just say, Lord, I'm dedicated for the rest of my life of sowing. Now, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to do stuff, put an internet filter on. You might have to jerk it out of your house. You're going to have to make sure that you don't say it, but you live it. You'll find out that there'll be peace that passes understanding. I'm not trying to be funny or break the moment, but you'll go to work one day and somebody said, man, man, my young and they off the chain at night. They turned the house up and all this. And you say, I, I have no clue what you're talking about. We, we don't even have time to count sheep. We all lay in there like we were medicating gas. We just all go to sleep. See, the Bible says that the Lord gives us peace that passes understanding. But it's got to be more than a nighttime prayer. You, you could be single and live by yourself. This, this applies to everybody. It's not people with children. You turn your house into a sanctuary. Turn your car into a sanctuary. All the time. All the time. I want you to pray. I'm not going to lead you in a prayer. Because you came down here on your own. And this is between you and the Lord. You know what the bag has done? The bag will slow you down, man. It'll confuse you. And it'll do all those other things. But today, Lord, we pray together. And anybody that's not a believer online or in here, all you have to do is say, Jesus, forgive me. I repent. I ask you to cleanse me. I've been digging in that bag and it's been bringing me trouble after trouble after trouble. But I'm through with it, God. I, I want more of you than anything. I don't want more money. I don't want more stuff. I don't want more destinations. I want more of you. The Bible says, if you want Jesus at that level, which is the only level, the Bible says, He's faithful, hallelujah, and just. He's willing to forgive you and cleanse you. There's instructions on the screen that will get you more instructions. Now you're going to have to help me. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. 
Think about when you were saved. It was there. just spoke to me and I'm going to tell you if you'll go ahead and do this right now don't you be surprised if in weeks that Timothy's not asking Kenny he or she or they testifying you or that Lois or that Eunice says you know what I've dropped the ball and I've done wrong and how I raised you. But I want you to know for the rest of my life, I'm going to do it right and I want you to do it right. Don't you, don't you, if, if a child comes home from church Wednesday night or very soon Sunday morning from children's church, don't you be surprised if they're not worshiping God louder than anybody that stands on this stage. Don't be surprised. It's called seeds. See, it starts out real small Really, really small. Hallelujah. I got to shut my mouth because it's in me. But the Bible says it grows taller than everything else. You invest in that baby. You sing to that boy. You sing to that girl. You grab hands with that spouse. And you pray and you worship God. You say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And you watch what becomes of you and your house and your family and your mind and your wallet and your heart and your hands. You watch how big God makes that grow inside of you. I need to tell you this, that I mentioned this a while ago, but the Spirit of God, again, while we were singing that, I'm just sharing this with you and we're going home. I'm hungry. But I'd stay if I was supposed to stay. But all the work that we've done over the past year here, but over there at the campus, I've gone into detail about that several times. But I told the ministers that met with me last Thursday over there in the uh, youth center in the coffee shop, I said, I don't know everything, but God has, has promised me that we can still reach the children and we can still reach the youth. So I really wished anybody and everybody could meet us at 6.30 tonight. And I want you to be praying because for us to do what we need to do on a weekly basis here real soon, upstairs. And I'm not talking about a little cute puppet show. I mean, there'll be, there'll be programming. But I'm talking about seed, y'all. I'm talking about where children learn about the fire of God and the power of God and walking in the Word of God at, at, at just a few months old, two, three, four, five years old. I, I, we don't have any time to be playing around. I want you to pray with me because we need an army to reach an army. We do. We can't wear out the same people on Wednesday night and we're not saying that people will get locked into stuff. But I need prayer warriors to pray that can see the kingdom coming. That's what Jesus, that's what all this was about. Sowing the seed so the kingdom can come and His will can be done. The world is this kingdom right now that you see that's going to burn up. But the Word 
is that kingdom coming and that will being done identical to the way it's carried out in heaven. So pray about it. 6.30, Word of Life, Pastor Don Rollins. Hey, he'd love to see us. And they've been great. They're, they're just great people. But I want you to uh, give us just a minute. I'm going to pray while folks get in place to help you with a book. And you can put it in an envelope. If you're going to give today, that's fine. Just put books on there. We know what it is. And if we run out today, don't worry. $300 later, we're going to have more coming in, okay? I'm planning on doing this, if you want to know, till the trumpet sounds. Because I want people to know now, and I want people to know when the trumpet sounds, how to get home with the rest of us. Amen? It's that real to me, okay? Father, I pray that you would let the words of our mouths, all these seeds, Lord, and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And all of God's people said, Amen. God bless you. Give the Lord a great big hand.